and welcome to Sonic Talk number uh, episode 402, I believe it is today. Um, I think I got a slight bit of numbering uh, issues last week, so I do apologise if any of you are a bit confused. 402 is still a, a healthy number, and I want to thank you all for congratulations we got for episode 400 and 401. It feels like a milestone somehow, so uh, thank you, everybody. I also want to thank uh, all of you guys in the chat room. Uh, very fulsome chat room it is this week again. I think that must be one of our biggest for a while. Thank you very much for joining us there, and I can see a couple of our guests already in there participating, so... Uh, um, we'll probably hear a bit of tippity tapping from the keyboards around the place. So uh, once again, thank you very much. So let's uh, introduce our guests. Uh, we're going to start. Uh, we'll start over here with Mr. Dave Spears from G4 Software. Who I've just timed perfectly with a mouthful of coffee. That's my <laughs> <laughs> excellent. I saw it coming and I thought, right, I'm going to get him. Dave, get him. of course, there in his synth cave where he masterminds the world domination of uh, virtual instruments. That is G4Software.com. How are you, Dave? I'm all right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, glad to hear it. I am. Excellent. I'm good. I'm it's glad- a bit windy here, so there may be some, you may hear some howling noises. I'll try and mute stuff. Ah, okay. Well, you're right on the hill, and it's pretty brutal. Yeah, it was being very stormy here as well. But always good to have you aboard. So thank you very much for coming. And we'll also head over to uh, the Somerset Levels, where we have Mr. Robert Bromuman from uh, Robot Studios, uh, music producer, songwriter, composer, studio owner. MD for Howard Jones. I'm trying to think. I probably missed something. You multi-talented devil. You dog owner. I suppose I could add for there. If you were there for the before we started recording, you may have noticed a, a cute little puppy in the room. Anyway, Robbie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I was just buffeted on my way back from seeing Gaz in Bristol in the car. It was crazy. Yeah, it's very stormy. It doesn't feel yeah. like spring at all now, is it? It's sort of. It was a bit like autumn last night. It's really rubbish. So but, I'll be sunning up in LA by next week. So oh, we'll be- <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Well, uh, we, uh, we you, you mentioned teasingly that you'd been to see Gaz in Bristol. I think perhaps you guys might have something to say a little bit about that. I think you might have gone to see the uh, modal electronics people. So uh, I think that's uh, that's something we'll say for a, a, a little bit later on. But uh, now we'll also say, gosh, we have also got Gaz Williams over there in Bristol um, in his base attic. Yeah, <laughs> I always start that line with a pun, but can never quite think of one. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, very excited to discuss our modal visit. Very interesting indeed. So that that'll be fun. Good. Well, uh, Gaz Williams, of course, professional bass player, music technologist, producer, and uh, master does do a lot of mastering as well, don't you? Yeah, I do. Although it's something that I've I've tried to wriggle out of for years, really, but. Um, they just jobs keep coming up. <laughs> oh, you're too good at it. That's your problem. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Gaz. And of course, Mr. Mark Doty, automatic gainsay, uh, who you recognise. Uh, he is a, a sort of synth internet personality, uh, I think it's fair to say. Review. Yeah. I, I noticed actually, Mark Doty, not only that, but he also, he's at his day job at the moment, which is working for the Bob Moog Foundation. Uh, and um, I want to say thanks to them for letting you have the time out to, to join us. It's very much appreciated. So yes. everybody should go over and check out what you're up to, right? And and, and see what's going on in the Bob Moog Foundation. I th- have I got that URL right? I've got a horrible feeling that that's not right. BobMoogFoundation.org. No. Oh, it that's does correct. point there. Ah, I think you've got some other ones that also go to the same place, and I suddenly had a thought, I've got it wrong. Yeah, just Moog Foundation will take us there, take you there too. Ah, yeah. okay. You're just grabbing all of them. So um, one thing that was interesting, I noticed um, that you posted on your Facebook, your very busy Facebook channel. I don't know how many words you write on that a, a week, but I'm guessing it's in the thousands that you've had taken. Finally, got the um, the up the Korg Odyssey. I did. I, I finally got a hold of one, and I am I am bowled over. And I know everyone's like, "Yeah, Mark, you like everything," but. Yeah, this is a special thing. Um, I've I've really had kind of a an analog revelation, which uh, I, I thought I was probably done with after having done what I've done. But no, this I am very excited about this synthesizer. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That sounds good. Uh, and I'm guessing there'll be a video coming along sometime in the not too distant future, right? A slew. A slew. How very slew synthetic of, of you to say a slew. Is that a kind of a slew as in, is, is, has it got slew? It's got sample and hold slew, hasn't it, on it, the um, ARP Odyssey? It does. Yeah, it does. Go. Perfect choice of words, then, I would say. <laughs> so, uh, that's, I did a sorry. Who was that? Who was that? I missed it. It was me. I just, ah, I, just, ah. I, just I did a pun. Ah, I'm sorry. I missed that. 
Um, anyway, I want to say thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. It's been great um, to have you aboard. Uh, that sounds like I'm actually wrapping the show up, but we're only just getting started. And what am I thinking? Uh, I forgot to do one more thing. I'm just going to switch on the uh, live stream on the front page of Sonic, which if you do visit Sonic, I know there was um, a couple of people in the comments saying, where does where does the live stream come? And I realised what there used to be a thin ad that was on every Wednesday and I think I switched it off during Music Messer because um, obviously we weren't streaming live and I was using that to, to, pu- to promote the live blogs so it's back on now so hopefully that will be sorted out but let's take a look at what we've got here this I mean there's been some interesting news this week um, perhaps the first one we'll start with a little video Th- this one's for you Dave because I think you might recognise this fellow <laughs> That's the Elka Synthex. That's an original Elka Synthex. I didn't realise this is from the event that was at uh, Music Messer, and that is the legendary Paul Whiffen. Uh, what's, a, what's a good cowboy uh, nickname for Paul Whiffen? Because he's obviously got looking very cowboy-like. He's got that sort of snake pliskin kind of uh, look to him there, but uh, he's demonstrating the Synthex. I think in some way he's involved in this. Uh, obviously, this is we've got several bits of news. The first bit of news is that... Um, Obviously, we know about the Elka Synthex and we talked about that and the fact that the Finnish company bought General Music and are making uh, or are going to be remaking the Synthex. But at the same time, this other thing came up, which is which I think both Robbie and um, Dave spotted uh, at the weekend, which uh, was on Matrix Synth. I think he broke this, which is great because uh, the original creator of the Synthex, who is called, now let me see, I've got it all written down here, Mario Maggi, or Maggi, I think, what's a double G in, in Italian? Is it Maggi or Maggi? Oh, I'm surprised no one knows, but there you go. <laughs> there was a, where's the tumbleweed sample when you need it? Um, well, basically, he, the original maker is now also um, saying that he's going to be bringing out the Synthex 2, which is going to be a digital instrument available in 8 or 16 uh voice modes and it's got an, a, an insane amount of um, envelopes and LFOs. I think there's something like four, no, eight per voice all individually programmable so 64 in the eight voice version and this is um, <coughs> it's created quite a, quite a stir because there seems to be now some confusion um, a, a spokesperson or somebody for, who, uh, who's been talking on behalf of uh, Mario Maggi or at least, you know, keeping us up to speed, uh, a chap called Enrico Cosimi, um who's an acquaintance, has been basically saying, well, actually, Mario is is Synthex and he, it's his thing. And they've actually now um, put in a kind of a, a, a trademark thing. So it's all getting a bit, little bit complicated. I know, um, well, Dave, you sent me this to begin with. I mean, on the one hand, it's great news because there's two synths and one of them from the original designer and the old version, which if that gets made and they can sort out all the legal nonsense, then we'll get two. So it's it's got to be great news, right? Certainly interesting. Uh, no, I thought what was—I mean, what was interesting for me is that I was a consultant for General Music Italy at the time when they acquired the Elka brand, and that was quite an interesting meeting when I was there. In between lunch, we had a discussion of uh, which would be the best brand to market General Music products in the U.S. under, whether it was Elka, Gem, or General Music, and they were quite fired up about the whole Elka thing. But for me. I was like, well, with the exception of the Rhapsody and the Synthex, Elka, I don't know really how much impact it had in the States. And I never really got on with the Synthex. You know, I think the, for me the footprint was large. It was a bit too large. I mean, I think I put the Profit 10 back in storage because it was kind of too big for... It's not far off the size, but it's only got one keyboard, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, with the exception of the bandpass filter, it wasn't anything really amazing and outstanding but i understand that the jar fetishists love it because of the laser heart yeah, thing and all i the think that's the thing isn't it i think i'm probably slightly biased because the stevie wonder album that it was all over which was characters was probably the worst produced album I think <laughs> ever, ever made. <laughs> so i kind of approached this from a kind of slightly cynical angle although I was, it was great to see a lot of the general music stuff you know has that got i just called to say i love you on it by any chance no, it's oh. the skeletons in your closet. I'll tell yeah. you, the best one is Free, actually. Free is an amazing track. It was all recorded in London. Uh, but production-wise, it was, you know, that classic digital age, which is yeah. why I'm amazed that this was used on it, in that 
it's just really cold and you know there's some song the songs are great anyway i completely right mm. it was really interesting because actually there's a, there's a really good uh thread on gear sluts on this yeah very I, it seems I, to have descended it just seems to have descended into a kind of legality and branding kind of legalese so one thing that's clear is there may be a bunch of lawyers about to make a bunch of cash out of this whole scenario. well they're the only ones who are going to get rich out of any of this I yeah suspect. assuming that that's the case because what appears to have happened is that someone in italy then filed the trademark kind of two weeks after an application for the trademark two weeks after the indiegogo thing was launched so obviously speculation is that that's mario anyway it's just it's one of those it's quite indicative of the state of the industry at the minute because there's all these other companies using old companies' brands and legacy brands, and it's like, what, 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 what's happening? What's going on? Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, Paul Whiffin, Lee Van Treble Clef. Right, Lee. Van, no, very good. I like. I'm liking that. Like that's a very that's that's a good b- bit of punnery. And we have talked about the synthetic. I mean, Mark. I don't know if we, you talked about this. I mean. Uh, I'm guessing the uh, arrival of a digital synthesizer might not excite you as much as perhaps the reinvention of the or the reboot of the synthesis itself. Perhaps it's going to be more affordable. But the thing that excites me about it is, you know, just where digital synthesis can go. There's an awful lot of possibilities here. But um, I mean, how do you feel? About, well, I, I know how you feel about the reboots because you're you're right in the middle of a sort of uh, Odyssey mania at the moment. So <laughs> I guess that was a dumb question. Um, well, I mean, I think the thing that I want to know, I was doing a little reading about the syntax. I mean, the syntax has always been weird for me because I think I read in Mark Vale's book a thousand years ago that it had DCOs. And traditionally, I'm not much of a DCO guy. So I just was kind of like, oh, well, it looks really powerful, but, you know, it has DCOs, blah, blah, blah. But so many of my friends are like, Mark, you're an idiot because this thing is amazing. And so I was looking at it, trying to sort of bring you know, like figure out what was so great about it and i saw somewhere that it actually has early digital oscillators Does, can anyone verify that i don't actually know i was like really so it actually had do's and not dco's which is really interesting mm, i don't know I don't, about that i don't know about that um, um uh, uh, rich hilton who's in the chat room as well uh was uh, also saying that uh how the Alka brand was perceived in the States, and it wasn't particularly highly. So uh, I'm, I think they must have gone with Gem. Um, but they did make a lot of organs, didn't they? Did they have they got sort of roots in Farfisa as well? Is that right, Dave? Or, or would one of you two... Weird. That whole, the whole Italian scene is, you know, there's like cousins of people who started this company, went off to start that company. It's quite strange. And obviously when I was doing the general music stuff, which was great, and... The one thing I absolutely loved about that company is that it was really populated by ace musicians. I mean, some of the musicians were just stunning. and But it was kind of a very delicate subject because at some point you could kind of go, oh, I did some stuff for Farfisa actually years ago. And they were, oh, no, 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 we mustn't mention that, we mustn't mention that. We go for lunch now. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know is the honest answer. Uh... There's, it, there's a lot of cross-pathing, incestuous, weird... Yeah, strange stuff. Well, I guess that's just the way that things roll, isn't it? I mean, there's so much. But but what's sort of very interesting about this is obviously there's clearly it seems like the Finnish guy um, who have, has, has bought the general music thing is is a really enthusiast and wants to make the synthesizer. I mean, I can't imagine he's thinking he's going to make a fortune out of it. But I mean, he's clearly an, an enthusiast for the synthesizer, and that's a good motive, I think. I mean, even though he's obviously found the cash to actually buy general music and all the all the kind of stock and what have you on, on the whole, he's obviously a businessman. But there must be something going on there. And also, we've got uh, Mario Maggi uh, or Maggi, excuse my pronunciation, who is clearly an enthusiast, and he's in the subsequent years he's been doing all sorts of unrelated kind of uh, digital, uh, well, electronics engineering, what have you, according to uh, his, this this chap. Uh, uh, oh, where is it? I wrote it down. I've, I've scrolled up too far now. Eric, Enrico Cosimi, yeah. So, you know, that's got to be good. But um, I don't know if either you, uh, Gaz or Robbie, have anything to say or whether, you know, this might be a good segue into, but what about the uh, module, modu- the module, <laughs> the modal electronics? I keep calling the modulus because that's how I first introduced you. WA, because you've been to Bristol, am I right? To see the thing. We, we made a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage. Is that what it felt like? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was very nice. We went and met with um, Philip Taysom, who's the yeah. who's one of the main guy there, and also Paul Maddox. And um, yeah, it was really interesting just hearing the whole background 
and um philip was like very kind of he's kind of you can tell it's a perfect combination of real salesmen and passionate about the brand and how they're going to take it and all that great stuff and then you've got paul who's i who just seems to be really happy that his products are making it out there yeah and that's so it, it seems like the perfect kind of combination of people and they they were telling us all about all the great programmers and software people they've got i think it says something like 13 software programmers working on it so i mean they've amassed quite a team of people serious team of people and um it was great i'd never seen any of them even the o2 in the flesh so it was great to have a play with them and the quiet what struck me struck me was the quality of them it's just unbelievably good the encoders and the, the quality of that display it felt to me like playing with the big op1 in the sense of it made me want to kind of really explore them because it kind of had that really nice kind of hands-on I like this I like this item I want this item kind of thing. Yeah, it's a very desirable yeah. thing. The double And the double... 08, I mean the 08, he played me some played both of us some sounds sounds sounded immense. Some of the patches he played, the bass end on it was just fantastic. Ah, interesting. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's um exciting. And and Gaz, what were your impressions? I mean, I know that uh, um you've not seen either of those perhaps in the flesh before either. Uh yeah, so I mean, um, I thought that the encoders, which could be a controversial decision, because obviously after um, a certain recent failure with these encoders on another synth, um, I think everyone knows about, uh, the you know, people prefer pots or so it seems so going with these encoders could be seen as a you know a slightly risky move but they are lovely they are so sensitive and what i was super super impressed with was just how responsive uh how responsive they they were you know you've got a you've got a display so if you're adjusting the envelopes for instance as you yeah, update encoders, so. yeah but the the rate of that update is just so nice the animation on the on the screen and just the, the there's a real great sense of as you turn the as you turn the encoder you know you get fantastic sort of visual you know obviously you get your audio feedback as well but you're getting a very snappy lovely responsiveness you know which i often think is something that um has let various modern products down it's a little bit of lag a little bit of um disconnect from yeah no, that's a very valid point but it, I, I was super impressed with that it's interesting isn't it because also that uh the screen on the uh all of the modal electronic stuff is is also replicated in html5 so you know because yeah. they're, they're network uh, enabled you can then kind of you know add yeah, a larger fun. screen and more touch and more yeah more which is an interesting way of looking at it particularly they, for an analog synthesizer and they, they did actually show us the uh yeah the control surface running on an ipad so obviously that would be of extra interest to people maybe interested in the, the rack, double O yeah. two rack uh and it's got that same kind of the same font and the same kind of graphical appearance as that you get on the display as well so there's a really nice um you know uh visual identity mm. that, that they've got with it and uh very clean and crisp and very yeah. very precise well looking. that's interesting yeah. uh, so uh, did you place your orders well, well, not yet, no, because I mean, it's a little way off, but, you know, you know, watch this space, who knows. But, um, yeah. what, what I thought was interesting was the fact that they, they said they spent all this time creating this kind of infrastructure and operating system that they can roll out to various different products now. So it, it, when you see the products together and they kind of take you through the kind of differences about them, it's almost like the 002 and the, dub, and the, dub, the 008 sort of like the yin and the yang it's kind of like you've got the big fat analog and then you've got the kind of digital kind of hybrid and like you, the two kind of would go to well together they all seem like a really cohesive kind of range of instruments and um mm. and I, what was cool as i said to them i really like the 008 particularly because it doesn't have wooden end natural oh, yeah. wooden end <laughs> cheeks and he said to me oh well, it's not wood end cheeks anyway it's made of leather yeah and it's like solid leather end cheeks <laughs> so he said that the the um they, the made from actual cheeks yeah. it's literally a, a boot polish <laughs> to kind of buff out any marks oh that's brilliant I like the idea of that so you're poli polishing your synthesizer there's got to be a, yeah, euphem yeah, yeah. There's a euphemism there somewhere isn't there yeah. definitely oh, well, I'm, something else uh, yeah. just 
before we change subject, I just it's all absolutely made in Bristol as well. I mean, I think the furthest away something was made is like 35 miles away. But they were saying about where each of the parts were being manufactured. And, uh, you know, I live in Bristol. So it was a real thrill to see such a great, uh, you know, these great new products being built, you know, literally on my doorstep. And um, no, not literally on my doorstep. That's the wrong use of the word literally, isn't it? Um, but <laughs> Nearly. Close by. Yeah. Nearly. <laughs> um, but uh, what I was going to say, it did bring this subject up about is the 008 the first ever British eight voice analog polysynth? Mm, I don't know. We'll have to go to our historians. I think uh, I, I, I think I'll go to Dave first, just purely because he's actually British. And then we'll, we'll, we'll see whether or not you can out-synth each other. Do you know, I'm stumped. A proper British eight-voice. I can think of a six. Can the you? Cheetah. Cheetah MS6. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. yeah. well done. I had one of those, oh. and if I, if, I if anyone from that synthesizer centre is out there that went, but I sent it for repair and it never came back, and they went bust, and I never got it back. Anyway, that's... Yeah, I, went, I once I once went to the synthesizer centre to pick something up, and um, this this guy came out to me and said, hey, "Do you work with Howard Jones?" And I went, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, I've got a Moog Prodigy here. It's been here for seven years." He said, "One of Howard's. Do you want to take it for him?" <laughs> so I took it, and Howard just totally even forgot he had it. Wow. It was just one of his touring ones. It had, like, you know, guitar bits on the end, and it would be modded so he could have this big <laughs> cable out the back to use it like a keytar and all this. Excellent. Yeah, uh, yeah the, uh, as the chat room is saying, the fulsome chat room, even more fulsome, um, uh, the, it's, oh, that went past. I have an MS6. MS6 sounded great, so Cresshead. Um, yes, it did, but it was an absolute nightmare to program because it had a three-character display, and it used hex. Which in a you know we just don't we're not interested in hex programming. I don't know. You might be Mark, but I'm certainly not. So can you beat? Can you trump the MS six, or is that is that our only candidate? I cannot. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not even familiar with that. So <laughs> that's never. Uh, there's such a weird sort of semi disconnect between the American synthesizer culture and some of the things that happened in Europe. There, there is some crossover, but a lot of it is just lost. Like, yeah, I'm completely unfamiliar with the cheetah. I have no knowledge of it. Well, it's worth checking well, out. So, it, yeah. had, it had Curtis filters, I, mean, I think, didn't it? <laughs> but you program it in hex? Isn't that well, kind of like a punishment? There, there were, honestly, there were parameters that some of them were going, some of them had, were center, so you had plus and minus hex values, and then some of them had plus and minus decimal value it was just absolute and also because it was a six voice you could program it all in individual you could program it multi-timbrally if you really felt up to it so you could have six separate synthesizers or you could i mean but it was just hell on earth that six track was that six track although it was reasonably akin to the overheim wasn't it chris here actually programmed do you remember the little ms 800 which was a wavetable synth and he programmed the presets into that but get this when you were programming it, you couldn't audition what you were programming. Sweet. You would have to save it, press another button, and then you could hear it. And then you'd have to go in and go, no, that was rubbish. That's... Uh, the, only, the only British polysynthy I can think of is the polysynthy. And that's yeah. what they said at Modal. That's uh, what they said. It's the only thing they could think of. Well, I've, I think... Um, poly that How many voices all. was the polysynthy, though? I don't know. It was all voices. It was. All voices. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was divide down, so it was everything played. Uh, well, there we you know go. That funny multicolored thing. <laughs> yeah, yes. it was a weird keyboard action that was disgusting. Ah. Oh, I always saw that thing, and I thought it looked really cool because I love things that have got all loads of primary colors on them. <laughs> you must be a fan of the Skoog. Anyway, that's another topic. Um, that's uh, well. So let's let's now have a, a word from our sponsors. So you can all uh, take a moment to grab a glass of water. Of course, uh, Isotope have been uh, with us for a long time, and this week we're talking about Ozone 6.1, recent update to the fantastic mastering suite of programs. Uh, you could take a good sounding mix into professional sounding master with Ozone. It's a critically acclaimed mastering software. It's all the tools you need. Uh, Ozone 6 boasts guides and expires your creativity at every step. I, I didn't say that. That's what I'm reading off the paper. But key features. Get a central mastering tool, equaliser, dynamics, maximizer, exciter, imager, post equaliser, dither, and dynamics, e advanced EQ. Only gosh, I've run out of uh, video. Uh 
you can make smarter mixed decisions with robust real-time visual feedback. There's basically tons of stuff you can do. You could use it as a, a real-time plugin on channels or great for mastering or great for just mangling sounds. Uh, free update for Ozone 6.1 for those who are on 6, featuring adaptive release, module presets and more. If you want to try it out, as with all of the Isotope stuff, isotope.com forward slash Ozone, I guess it would be, and there's a 10-day demo for all of this stuff. So do try it. And also, uh, if you've been a follower of the show for any more than one week you will know that isotope regularly uh, promote competition on the site and we've got another one this week um the winner for last week uh we asked that you to tweet out what was it let me see it was uh epic library the hashtag epic library and iris 2 and we have a winner and this is a chap called matthew westmeyer uh his twitter handle is automatica with a k uh, and he said, congratulations on 401 episodes. So, uh, yes, you can actually add additional comments into your 140 characters. So, but we do have another competition this week. You can win uh, your very own copy of Ozone 6.1. Uh, you tweet the hashtag ProMastering, uh, one word, and hashtag Ozone 6 to the handles at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's all you need to enter the competition. But... Uh, as we say, there's plenty of characters left. I don't know how many characters that they are, but I'm sure somebody told me you've probably got another 80 or so uh, that you can add to that. So drop us a message too. We'll pick the winner from uh, our random supercomputer specially designed workflow for picking winners. So uh, remember, you need to tweet the hashtag ProMastering and hashtag Ozone6, all one word, Ozone with the number six, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. to get your chance of winning. And if you are indeed the winner, uh, Mr. Auto- at Automatica with a K, uh, do get in touch and we will uh, send the Isotope Fairy. I think there is a new Isotope Fairy, actually, a sort of trainee Isotope Fairy who will be able to sort you out with your copy of Iris 2 for last week's competition. Right. Um, so, uh, what other? There's other, other big news. I mean, this, is, this was quite big as well. This was... Um, now... This, again, is kind of a little bit acquisitional, but this is the news that uh, Music Group, who is the Behringer kind of group of companies, bought the TC Group. So a couple of groups. I'm um, sure must be a pun there on the name. They now have purchased TC Group. I know no, there was actually... TC Group were up for sale some time back. I think Gibson were looking at it, but it didn't work out. I think that was maybe 12, 18 months ago. Might have been a bit longer. So uh, we've known that they've been on the market looking for a buyer for some time, and it's actually now happened. And it's quite interesting. Um, obviously, you know, these are two sort of, me- certainly Behringer's a megacorp and has a lot of other brands. Um, and it's just, it's, I'm wondering whether this is a good thing or whether the consolidation of these things where you have to have the economy of scale, are, you know, are problematic in a creative industry. I mean, I don't know. Uh, discuss. Let's start with um, you, Gaz. I I uh, I thought it was a really I didn't know what to think when I heard it. I, at first, I was quite worried because I I I'm a I'm an in, endorsee of TC and use their amplifiers uh, and I use their effects pedals and I'm a huge fan of them. So uh, so my first thought was I, I was kind of worried how it would affect the company if it would have you know I don't know um changed what they did uh but i i've been kind of well i think actually if you move to robbie robbie knows a little bit more ah. than i do about this okay so. robbie you've well, been put on the spot well you know i've been i've been a lot had a long time association with tc for years and still do got lots of good friends there and i i think i think i think they're generally excited about it because it, People don't realise, I don't think, that Behringer now, as a company, has such a, an incredible infrastructure of, um, of facilities and manufacturing and everything. I think, I think for a small, smaller company like TC, as long as TC get to keep their autonomy with their own product development, which I think very much is what they want to do, um, Behringer want to do with them, I, th- I think it's um, only a good thing because it'll hopefully go the same way as the kind of Midas acquisition and... Um, you know, get that. Yeah, that didn't go too badly, did it? Audience. Yeah, hmm? that didn't go too badly, did it? Really? No. So I, I, I think, I think probably, I think it's a better knowing, knowing a bit of the background about. I think there was a lot of people relieved that the Gibson thing didn't happen. So I think that you know, I think that this, I think this is probably if people can kind of you know get over the initial bulk about the Behringer thing, which everybody seems to have. I think I think Behringer's a different company now, isn't it? It's moving into very a much so. Yeah, I think I think 
we put, you know, there's a lot of good products to be fair. Coming well, out, I, so. I've, I have one very much here, and this yeah. this wouldn't have been possible without the Midas acquisition because there's the MyCamps so, and some of the uh, technology yeah. in there. So uh, that will be coming up for review. I think, we should, I think as a community, we should all cut them a little bit more slack these days. Mm. Well, I think the X32 has changed the public opinion of Behringer considerably. I think that has been such a you know, game changer, really, hasn't it? And uh, uh, and I think that it shows that maybe their intentions with acquiring these other companies, you know, uh, well, we'll have to see. But I mean, you know, if you think about what intellectual property they they're gaining from the TC acquisition, yeah, this is the thing that's quite. quite this is the thing it? that's quite interesting. TC Helicon, you know, they make some of the most amazing stuff that you know you play for pitch and analysis for playing backing tracks and what have you and harmonies. But the other thing which I think perhaps people don't um, get so much is the uh, the Dice Two chipset, which is the TC. I'm trying to remember which one it is. It's TC. Uh, I can't remember what the t- the TC technology I think it is, but and, and they make these uh, the chips that drive a lot of the FireWire and USB audio interfaces in a lot of other things. You know, and the drivers for those they've got they now work with FireWire. The Dice Three chip, which I think is just about to come out, works with FireWire, USB three, and also AVB, which is a, an emerging standard, which I think is going to um, shake things up a little bit. And it'd be great to see that in uh, certain things. So I'm hope I, I think you know Robbie, I think you're perhaps you're right. I know um, Mark does. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say the only the other thing, of course, that they've gained from this is, I mean, TC are right at the top of the tree in the in the post production and AV world with you know all the high end stuff like the System Six Thousand and all the loudness loudness stuff, you know, and they those products they Behringer can't possibly you know take those on and make their own versions of it. They're they're already an emerging standard, aren't they? Right. In in those industries, so you know they're, they're, they've gained a lot, I think, as well. Yeah, and let's not forget that they're going to be making synthesizers. They have the Midas synthesizer under development. I don't know, um, Mark, does, does does this kind of have any influence in your sphere, or could you care less? Well, it it actually doesn't. I am really interested in what Behringer is going to do with synthesizers. And I think I've been sort of, I, I've sort of mocked some of their recent posts about synthesizers, but I'm really curious because they do seem sort of committed to you know, making these synthesizers they're talking about. Um, and I, there still is a lot of sort of negative views about Behringer's products that, that I run into. And I've had a couple of Behringer products and never had uh, any problem at all. I had this mixer that I used to use live, and it was fine. It was really inexpensive, and it worked well. But um, I, it does interest me, but I worry because whenever you get, like, massive conglomerations of all kinds of companies... It becomes more about the business of music and sometimes less about the innovation or creativity or passion in music. It's kind of like what happened with Norlin in the 70s when Norlin purchased Moog and Norlin had Gibson and Maestro and all of these different companies. And it seems like the focus then shifts to how do we make a product that sells as opposed to how do we make an inspiring musical instrument that we're passionate about? But I don't know, because I'm, I'm curious about what Behringer's going to do with the synthesizer idea to see if it's more like what will sell or what's going to be really creative. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I know that uh, Uli himself is kind of, you know, that's his passion, I think. I think, uh, to, you know, obviously he's built this massive com- uh, company and it's, taken over the world and all those things but you know that was where he started out and i think his he is very much kind of i want to make something good i mean obviously by the nature of it being a behringer product it's going to be affordable i mean i i i I try not to use the word cheap there because let's face it everybody is trying to make stuff cheaply because that's the way of the world that's just the way things go Uh, i mean obviously perhaps uh Modal electronics are, are are bucking the trend there and going for the more sort of but but generally speaking, even the core products, you know, they're not made to the highest specification you could possibly imagine. It's just the way of the world. I don't know, Dave. Does this? Um, does, what do you think about this? Uh, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with Mark. Really, I was more gobsmacked that I heard the rumor a rumor that uh, it was 170 million dollars. Of which I have no idea whether that's true or not. But that's is that a lot? I don't know if that's a lot for. Well, when you can, well, yeah, I know I, we're comparing completely different things here, but I kind of was equating it to the um, Don Buckler situation that's going on. What he 
sold his company for and I was like is it was it only that it was something like four hundred thousand dollars and I was like what then when you compare that to something like 170 million dollars assuming that's true of course yeah sends me off on a bit of a kind of weird yes anyway I suppose so I mean I guess the thing is is obviously with a group when you're buying a group like that you've got the stock you've got the intellectual property you've got all of the kind of products ongoing and going the warehouses full of whatever it is that they got warehouses full of that they haven't shifted yet products in the pipeline I mean I suppose you know that's I don't yeah, know how like you says, they got the top of the tree uh, audio post-production stuff as well you know so there's a lot of stuff they're buying into Mm. Oh, it's interesting, but uh, but yeah, I, I suppose it's big news. I mean, it's bound to have ramifications. I mean, you know, it's it's not uncommon. Yamaha have been doing it. You know, they've done it with Steinberg, and they've kind of pretty much left them to blossom really quite effectively. And that's a software thing, and it really has kind of worked for them. So hopefully, and and I don't know what's happened with Midas. I mean, I haven't heard sort of awful rumours about people being kicked out or any of that sort of thing. So hopefully, they're valuing those engineers and kind of bringing them in and going, well, now because of the scale, those things you couldn't make perhaps before, we can buy you know 10,000 of those much cheaper so you can use that component in there that perhaps means that you can make that product that you've always had as a pie in the sky dream that's what you would hope anyway that would be great so maybe we will see more innovation that's the sort of I suppose that's the optimistic way of looking at it at least whether that's the case is you know is another matter Okay, um, right. Well, uh, we've got one more. Uh, this is another bit piece of news. Obviously, this came out. Now, this is uh, a video by uh, Abel Mendoza Productions. Just a, sa- a bunch of pads from Omnisphere Two. It's very uninteractive, but it does. Sa- I mean, some of the sounds are, you know, as you'd hope to expect. That sounds lovely, actually. So this is just flip. But obviously, you know, last week I think it was. What was it? Was it last Thursday, Gaz, or last Friday? Because you were here, weren't you? Was it Thursday? 30th, I think. Uh, yeah. Thursday, was it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, while you were here, it, it happened. And then almost instantly, I think that, you know, they got a bit overloaded, basically. And uh, to be fair, I think there's been a lot of rumours flying around about how they had the whole thing got shut down and it wasn't working for days. But actually, they, they've stepped in very, very quickly and just contacted everybody by email and said, right, do it this way. So I think the shot shop was uh, uh, in fact i got an email from diego stocco who's uh, quite heavily involved in some of the sound design for that and he said uh, uh, the tech shop is back online now so you can get it now and it was for the three days before that the upgrades were handled manually so there was only a momentary stop on april 30th itself which didn't affect the whole user base anyway just the people trying to upgrade via the tech shop so that's that kind of side of things i know um robbie you were desperately looking yeah. forward to this yeah. uh, have you have you, uh, have you managed to achieve your goal yet I got it. I got it at the weekend. I've got to say all hats off to them because even, even Eric on his Facebook page was giving people email addresses that they could contact direct to try and get it sorted. And they were, I think they, I, and they, I think they were working all weekend to try and facilitate everybody and just get it sorted. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to believe that they wouldn't realise that they're going to be a victim of their own success with that product because the hype was just unbelievable. But I think they did. I think they did an admirable job of trying to get everyone accommodated, and I, I'm loving it. I mean, it's fantastic. Have you managed to dig into any of the actual uh, under the hood stuff yet? I've I've made a few sounds with the granular things, shoved some things in there, and I've and I and I've you know done a bit of that locking stuff and you know trawled through a load of presets, but I haven't had a lot of time yet. But I know it's great. Yeah, I mean, it come, it's, a, it's a fairly major upgrade. I know, Gaz, you were uh, in communication just before the show. You were going yeah. to uh, see someone who had a copy. <laughs> Yours is still in the pipe. Yeah, yeah. So uh, i got to be honest. Uh, I was absolutely blown away by, by some of the new features in it. And uh, just one little feature I'd like to mention about is, because um, that's the thing, it is an enormous piece of software. I mean, Omnisphere 1 was an enormous piece of software and they've expanded it in in uh, in many ways um for instance the uh you know uh, you it, omnisphere for people who don't know is like essentially eight part multi-timbral synth soft synth and each part consists of two layers and those layers can be comprised can comprise of either essentially samples um or a kind of like physical model is it physical no sorry not physical models it's like some sort of a synth um way it's not a waveform though is it i don't think the uh, uh gener- software generated um waveform uh, and they've expanded that side of it massively um yeah it's gone very synthy right 
they sound brilliant they sound so good so uh just just so just take a basic patch and just on a single layer just stepping through those uh synth voices uh those synth waves wow i was just it was absolutely i was i was blown away by just how good they sounded so just in you know just in its raw form it sounded amazing and the other thing which again it's so easy to overlook stuff because there's such a lot in there is there's a new effect called inner space and it's some kind of convolution device um which lets you feed your sound through um i'm not quite sure how they do it but um the default is uh, like a like a dropped coin so it'll kind of ah so it's got a cadence um, to it right yeah and they've got an enormous selection of these sounds and there's like a, a within that effect there's an a and there's a b and then there's like a kind of sort of crossfade between the two and you can modulate everything and so we were just doing things we were just taking very very simple synth patches and just putting them through this inner space and then just modulating the crossfade and the and the the sounds were just Im- immense it's like wow but it did get me thinking it's like wow, this is almost as too big, big. <laughs> it's it is almost too big and and it's not a criticism it's just it's just like wow i mean it is really it's amazing we were a bit disappointed to discover that the the much touted sample import element is just um Per, uh, a sample per, per right layer. it's right. just a sample right so there's no key mapping or that sort of stuff no you sort of can do that in the multi if you did it over a multi-timbral sense you could like load in lots of samples a- across the different uh, parts but but each sample you um if you use the 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 omnisphere library ones like for instance it might be a choir or a, or a orchestral strings or whatever the omnis uh, the spectrosonics ones can be made up of ah, um, okay maybe it's just a file format thing and that's a question of getting some of those well, i wonder if yeah the, so i had a little look at the file structure and it's like um when you import your own sound into it it, it creates a file called a db file so um so it has to presumably convert your, your wave file into this db file and I, and i did wonder whether you know whether third-party software could somehow create a DB file which is made of multi-sample. But I do, they do specify though on the website that 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 the reason that it's only single samples is that Omnisphere isn't a sampler. And I guess it would open up a can of worms, wouldn't it? Yeah, if, I if suppose had, even you know, more complexity. Have... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you need it. So, yeah, and 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 really, there's such a lot you can do. So, um, my my good friend Simon Preston, who's a, a terrific um, percussionist, yes, um, I remember him. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, so that's where that's where I was today. Um, in fact, I played a gig with him at the weekend, a really big gig in Cardiff, a big samba festival. Um, he leads uh, Samba Gales, which is Wales's biggest samba band. Um, uh, that's a noisy. That's a noisy affair. I can't yeah. blimey. <laughs> uh, but but Simon's got a whole array of very interesting ethnic instruments. He's got lots of different thumb pianos and um, and he's very keen on sampling them. And we so so we were taking some of Simon's samples um, of different you know like eras or whatever, and putting them through the you know bringing them into Omnisphere, putting them through the the granular the granularize the sorry the the much touted sort of granular element, which has been in Omnisphere since, well, I think certainly since 1.5, but, uh, but being able to bring your own samples into it, um, right. was pretty impressive. And then when you combine that, then, as I say, with the inner space thing, wow. Get some great stuff. I will look incredible. forward to exploring that a little bit more. I'm hoping to get a copy. I know Dave, I mean, you, you are aware of what it takes to make a kind of, uh, a product launch, an eagerly awaited or eagerly anticipated product launch on a specific date and time. I mean, I guess the difference is, well, I suppose VSM, you know, there's a lot of sample data. There's a lot of stuff that bandwidth that has to be catered for. I mean, what, what, I mean, what sort of things do you actually have to look out for when you're doing that? I mean, it must take quite a lot of planning. Sorry, sorry, I was muted. Uh, an immense amount of planning. I mean, there's kind of this. There's sort of three parts to it. 
there's the instrument itself, which obviously is testing, fixing, testing, fixing, testing, fixing ad nauseum to try and get that up to speed. Then you've got, you know, the website, the back end stuff. That's, I mean, it was interesting hearing, you know, things went wrong with Spectrosonics because they are a top of the tree company. And you kind of, in a way, when I heard that they'd had an issue, I was like, wow, it happens to them too. Because that's <laughs> really, you, you can try and factor in all of these things. And obviously everything is tested to the nth degree. You know, you really try and put stuff through. and that, But when a release occurs and all of a sudden the kind of bombardment happens, uh, things do take a twist. What's really fascinating from our perspective, you know, I've got loads of respect. In fact, it's weird. Always in the back of my mind, you know, we've been going for like 15, 16 years and always in the back of my mind is this thing, oh, what, you know, if it goes tits up, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I kind of, years ago, drew up this short list of like three companies who I'd approach if everything went belly up here. One of which was obviously Isotope, the other one was Spectrosonics and the other one remained nameless. But uh, <laughs> I think we have a very similar, it's a very strange thing, releasing a product is a really strange thing. It's very easy to get, you get very emotional about it because if you eliminate the third party, which is obviously the marketing division, we don't have a marketing division. I don't know whether Spectrosonics do. I get the feeling that they don't. I also get the feeling that the instruments, in the same way that instruments we develop, are very personal to us. With Spectrosonics, they're very personal to them, in particular Eric. So what happens is, is post-release, when you... And I have to say... I can perform in front of thousands of people. I can talk in front of thousands of people. I don't generally get nervous. I don't think I've ever had stage fright. But when it comes to hitting that go live button, I physically shake. You know, the palpitations are going. And I think that that's a mixture of emotions. It's excitement. It's, you know, don't forget, by nature, we're very insular for a very, you know, very kind of isolated for a period of time because everything has to be secretive. And when you kind of hit that button, it's like, it's not my baby anymore. It's gone out there and now it has its own life. And that's very, it's really scary. And then you get into, right, we have to have the most really attentive team. You think that the work's over when something goes out, but that's really when another stage of work begins. Inevitably, you will get bugs. And that's another thing I love about Spectrosonics is we really do not subscribe to this shovelware attitude, you know, just sling it out there to make some money. We really like to, some would say, a bit too much. We like to have the products mature and tested over a lengthy period of time because the last thing you want to do, particularly with an engineer who's worked hard and long and is probably exhausted and in desperate need of a break, is to put something out there and then have massive amount of problems and then have to do million bug fixes. But inevitably, you will have to do the odd bug fix, right. the nature of hosts, platforms, formats, everything. So what we, what we like is this, everybody's on point. And Chris and I have stayed up for 40 hours on a stretch, you know, when something's gone wrong. And it's like, right, we need to, because what happens is people get stressed when they don't know what's going on. So they've spent their hard-earned money on this thing. Something's occurred that is slightly out of your control or you haven't anticipated. But if you keep them informed and are just honest, you know, some companies try and bury their head in the sand, some deny it that there's ever an issue. And it's just like that's all pointless because it just fuels this flame fest potentially. Yeah. But if you keep everybody informed, Honestly, that then leads to the most humbling, weird experience in that you kind of go, wow, our customers are amazingly cool. Because most of them go, yeah, yeah, I accept that, you know, occasionally things go wrong. That's okay. I trust you guys. I'll wait. And maybe that's come from, you know, being around for 15 years. I'm sure it, to a degree it has. But that's the kind of only point where you know where you move from this kind of isolated phase into the public phase and you really know what your and your company's reputation is right and it and it can be incredibly moving 
Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. You wouldn't wouldn't necessarily think that. Of course, um, your filters from uh, Imposca are uh, some part of the uh, Omnisphere 2 as well. So I guess you've got a sort of little piece of uh, emotional attachment to that as an instrument as well. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing uh, but respect for them. I mean, I think Glenn's an amazing programmer. Eric is definitely one of, say, five or ten people I've met in my life that I go, yeah, he's got golden ears. In fact, when we were working on the Bob Moog Foundation library, that was, uh, Eric was just like, you'd submit patches, and Eric would just come back with this amazingly constructive criticism. He is hands-on all the time. And you, when you buy something, it was a bit like we were saying about the Behringer thing, and like Mark was saying about, you know, whether it becomes this kind of corporate entity, and whether actually it's all about return on investment and maybe going public and checking out with a huge cash bonus to go off and buy your yacht with. You never get that impression with companies like Spectrosonics because it's a very, you know, Eric's involvement is just omnipresent, really. Ah, very good, very good, very good. I know, Mark, Mark, do you think, um, I mean... that very rarely do you get an instrument like this, which is, uh, to use the Omni, uh, it is very omnipresent, isn't it? I mean, because you get the kind of preset, you know, I think in the chat room it went past ages ago that uh, now we're just going to see them all over Discovery Channel sort of uh, um, uh, patches, uh, uh, programs or what have you. But there's a lot more to it than this. I mean, do you think that there's... Um, do you think that, I mean, there obviously is merit in something like this in terms of a synthesis engine and what they're pushing and, and those things. I mean, you you, you know, and you're, you are kind of famously more uh, hardware-based, but presumably you must own one or two software uh, items. Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing about Spectrosonics and about Eric Persing. I don't know how many people know his actual history, but for me, he's kind of uh, one of my idols because... He started off as a synthesizer demonstrator. That was his deal. And he is such a skilled synthesis, such a talented, talented synthesis and musician that he worked his way into the business. And the thing that's so great about Spectroscience, I think, you know, people are like, Mark, why are you even talking about software? But uh, he brings that synthesis mindset to his work. And uh, like Dave was saying, I mean... Spectrosonics is a company that will never be a company that's just like putting out product because Eric has that passion in him. He is like, he's a synthesis and he's always attempting to do something new that's musical and employs synthesis. And I'm, I'm so impressed with, you know, everything I've ever seen him do. And this product, I saw him demonstrate it, demonstrated at NAMM. And, you know, I was there mostly because Eric's a friend of mine and I wanted to be supportive of the release and everything. But watching it, I was like, wow, this is so functional and so useful and so creative. I mean, not just like, here, here's a pad that you could use. It's like he makes synthesists of his users. And I think that's a, that's an amazing thing. So, yeah, I everyone I know just holds this product in such high regard and I do too. Excellent. Well, I think that's a very fitting. Um... There's a re- oh, sorry. No, carry on. That's, that's no, nicely said, something Mark. That, something that happens in software, which is kind of strange, in that you know, software engineers are. I've always equated them to kind of like fine chefs. They are very temperamental, and they are very engineering based. And what you, what you rarely seem to get is this kind of brilliant synergy between musicality and great engineering. And in my opinion, Glenn and, you know, the team and the Spectrosonics guys have definitely got that. Great. I, 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 I just say one more thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, I was going to say, I think it's interesting. The upgrades were available from third-party people like Time and Space from a, quite a time before or buying Omnisphere to pre-ordering it. But I think it's quite telling that the only thing that wasn't available until the day of release in the, in the tech shop was the upgrade for people who have all three Omnisphere, Trillion and Stylus. And I think probably they didn't anticipate the amount of people who obviously have all their products who then wanted to take advantage of that upgrade. And that's kind of telling of the quality of the products because if you buy one, generally, it's so good you've bought into the other ones as well. And that's, you know, that's kind of what the company's about, I think. 
Yeah, no, it's very, I mean, it's very interesting also. I mean, it, there aren't very many instruments that have such a massive influence on the whole sort of area. You know, we've got the film composers, we've got pop producers, we've got all sorts of basically people that use that stuff and how influential that's likely to be. I mean, I think the thing that I, I remember we, when we first talked about Omnisphere um, after Nam, I think uh, Mark Tinley was kind of, he didn't really get the kind of the notion of it. And I must admit, I've not, I don't use it. So I, I, I kind of, I, I'm, I don't have a, an opinion either way, but the notion, it comes, I think, with 12,000 presets, which is, is insane. I mean, you're never, ever going to be able to get through them. I mean, you'd have to take, yeah. what, however many days just to listen and to them all. Sorry. And also, one of the big features of the new version is this uh, locking feature, and that really does work quite well, where you can... Um, so, like I was mentioning earlier about that, uh, about that inner space, and we were playing around with that inner space, and then I locked the settings of inner space, and then you start browsing the library with that inner space setting, and you can, you know, you can listen to all those patches. And that inner space can completely radically change the sound hugely. So <laughs> you're not just talking about 10,000 patches. Oh, you're talking, <laughs> you're talking in, in infinity because, you know, that. <laughs> so, but the fact that you can, you know, like these incredibly complicated envelopes that you can make, you can make envelopes last the whole length of a song. You know, so if you go into the trouble of making doing that sort of thing, the fact that you could then lock that envelope and then just go through the patches so with that. Can you envelope. lock multiple thing, multiple elements at the same time, and then just yeah. bring essentially the other parts of the sound that aren't locked into that? Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a very powerful feature because that's one of it's the problems. Incredibly with, powerful. Yeah. That sounds like the thing that we're, that makes a really big difference because that's one of the things that frustrates me a lot with software instruments is the ability a the ability just to flip through patches i'm you know most da or lots of daws you sit there and you have to kind of like because of the way that the patches are structured in folders or whatever you generally only cycle through the patches in a folder and then you've got to come out use your mouse and what the thing have they addressed that because that that's something that yeah. is difficult i think this has made a big difference because you know in the past i've looked at the library and you know i really i'm not a big presets fan at all but you know you look at the library and these sounds are just so overwhelmingly kind of complex and you think well that's someone else's work it's you know it, uh, you know i'm not particularly interested in that that's me personally but this has just this has kind of changed that a lot by the fact as i mentioned you know you can do this sequency kind of work or you know like in the the arpeggiator or whatever it is that you want to lock and then you know, it's those kind of movement, dynamic movement stuff. The fact that you can have your own version of that and then browse the library with it is just. Can you can you then save effectively a lock set so that you load your locked set and then do you see what I mean? So you get multiple different sets of locked parameters that you can then browse through because that would make sense musically, I spell as I suppose. Hmm. too early too early to tell too early to tell yeah. <laughs> um, um uh, in the chat room uh synth says invite eric for a sonic state special that is actually not a bad idea he is all uh, although he's in los angeles he is often on messaging uh at insanely early times of the day so i shouldn't imagine that'd be too much of a problem for him so that's a really good call i would love to interview um eric and just kind of get a general overview of his journey through this because it, it, it's it's rare that there are these kind of synthesis superstars they don't really happen all that often in life do they i mean there's you know you get the the rick wakemans and those sort of things but then they're more for their music rather than their actual sound so it's quite it's quite an unusual individual in that case dave spears I've got... we've got a dave spears <laughs> that's true that's as true. well they think you got synth superstar celebrity big brother do you think we should yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So he's voted out first. Put yeah. them all in the house with a load of synths and see what happens. Or with only a DX7. <laughs> oh, no, that cheater, that cheater MS. Cheater MS6 and, a, and an Ensonic and an Ensonic Mirage. Yeah. And nothing to program I'm... it but the front buttons. <laughs> now there's I've a got thought. A demo CD from the. Do you remember the the S750 and S770? They did an audio demo CD that was Eric playing a load of the presets and writing a load of tunes. And I've got that. And actually, it's in my car, and sometimes I just kind of put it on because it sounds great. It's not, like, it's not like those D110 those D Flight of the Bumblebee and uh, uh, the, the Sugar Plum Fairy. Yes, I remember some of those uh, midi... Oh, midi that was Armin, Armin Batir, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sadly, I sadly regret trading in my S770 and SP700 for a... S six thousand. It was the one of the worst, one of my worst 
moves in my whole musical career. Uh, well, there, there was definitely the uh, the S series sample, uh, the Roland S series, and the Akai S series. Definitely, there were there there were two things. There were there were some people. That, uh, but, and the, the the libraries and the patch structure was so completely radically different. Uh, it's interesting we're talking about the superstar thing. I don't know if you saw yesterday. This isn't actually a topic, but uh, uh, no, there's a um, a a video just been posted by uh, um, Giorgio Moroder, which has got Sia singing on it. It's called Deja Vu, and in it there's a there's there's a sort of party scene, and there's uh, Giorgio is playing something, and there's a sort of sudden freeze frame, or not a freeze frame, only a freeze frame if you freeze the frame and did make a story out of it which is what i did which was the uh, maroda maroda nova so it's, we don't know what it is um, and whether it's going to be a new synth or anything but it, it what that interestingly takes is you know if you take the sporting analogy where you buy your kind of you know uh i don't know i can't think of any sporting um michael jordan, michael jordan trainers or whatever there's very little of that in the synthesizer where we get it a lot in guitars with special editions and all those things it doesn't happen in synthesizer why do you think that is mark i mean it's it's it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like a, a great leap to kind of expect that sort of thing we haven't really seen it have we no that that is really surprising and i've always wondered about it with guitars like are people really buying guitars because like steve Vai you or it's the steve Vai edition or whatever and i guess i guess that they do and that would be really fantastic in synthesizers i would think especially now because the synthesizer world is so focused on the artists who used what to do you know one of the iconic recordings you know yeah i could totally see that I wonder who 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 would who I mean who would there be in terms of that I mean that's just a curious thing because I mean obviously that I think the problem is is many you know one would expect there might be a Jordan Rudess thing because he's a high, but because he's a high profile guy and he does well, he well perhaps one well, that they're probably and there already are sort of signature sounds signature instruments but I'm thinking actual hardware instruments rather than software I guess maybe because BT would have to be do some. You think? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that that's that's certainly a name. I suppose Richard Divine. Richard. I don't know. Div- but I suppose the thing is, is if, if you make a guitar, there are a limited number of components that go into it, and there's luthier craftsmanship. When you're making an electronic instrument. You know, there is a certain element of hand-builtness to them, but most of them are sort of stamped out on production lines, you know, to some degree. So creating a, a kind of skin or something different about it for that artist, I mean, I guess Moog do it to a degree with the tribute editions and what have you, but that's to the maker rather than the artist. But then it, it, it's harder to make a, a, enough of them or maybe sell enough of something that would be linked to a specific artist. Maybe that's a problem. I don't know. What do you think, Gaz? Would you, uh, can you think of any candidates? Hmm, there's a tricky question. Uh, can I have some time to think? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you can think that that you know the sort of the the pop the, the pop disco you know disco superstars you know the the, yeah. the kind of Daft Punks that those kind of things you could kind of expect that. And I guess people do it with I know Richard Devine does it with patches, but not with not with actual hardware. Maybe there's a there might be some modulars that would have a special sort of hardware edition. That might make sense. A single module where you just change the well, faceplate or something. You've got, you've got some you've got some um Vince Clark Euro rack modules, not That's you? true. That's very true. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Maybe that's maybe we're st- we're on the sort of breaking wave of uh, seeing that sort of thing coming on. That'd be very interesting anyway. Well, I think that probably brings us to uh, a logical conclusion to our uh, gathering. I want to thank everybody very, very much uh, for joining us. Uh, it's been a great fun uh, and, and uh, with some fairly sort of major news stories, uh, which is it's been great for me because quite often you know, I scrabble around for some sort of uh, 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 starting point, some piece of Tinder to start the conversation. But uh, that's Tinder in the uh, making a fire, not in the swipe left, swipe, swipe. Yeah, anyway. Um, so <laughs> thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. It's been really good fun to have. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody in uh, reverse order. Um, well, four to three, four to one. Gaz Williams, thank you ever so much for joining us this week and for letting us know of your findings down at uh, Modal Electronics. We hope mm. to get them on board soon as well for a special. Yeah. They are really are definitely, you know, a company to kind of keep a close eye on. I was supremely impressed with what I saw today. So, yeah, Modal are definitely... Uh, Definitely wants to watch. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And also, Robbie Bronneman over there, who's going to be... You're going to work in LA. You pl- are you performing yeah, or got, producing? We're going out, so we've got some gigs. We've got some gigs this month, and then back again, and then back again there in June as well. So, And to build the, the, the new duplicate rig in one day, 
I've Excellent. That sounds One like... Day, put it all together. What uh, could possibly go wrong? No, nothing thing? at all. Your flight could be delayed. But hey, whatever. I'm just going to get to a room full of all this gear and go like, put it all together now. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sure if anyone can do it, you can. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Robbie. It's been a pleasure. And also, Mr. Dave Spears, good to have you aboard. I I, I noticed you're wearing uh, the blue headphones as well. So uh, how are you getting on with those? Really good. You enjoy yeah, really them too? good. I did have one slightly alarming thing. when I These are in the passive mode. When I turn them to active mode, I think it might be my laptop. I was just getting this kind of mains hum. In fact, I lifted the earth on everything. They sent me off into this right tiz beforehand. I was like, I'll lift the earth on that adapter and try and sort it out. But then I kind of turned it off and it was like, maybe I haven't charged them up properly. I don't know. But they sound amazing. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, And we won't go on about it too much because uh, we did spend quite a lot of time of it last week and everybody was similarly impressed. Anyway, thank you very much, Dave. And also, Mr. Mark Doty from the MOOC Foundation over there uh, in uh, sunny sunny Asheville. How's the the humidity? Uh, Unpleasant for me. I was raised in a desert, so anytime it gets humid, I'm sad. Ah, How does that affect electronics? Well, I would think it would ruin all of them, but I have kind of a bias. But no, they all seem to be fine. They all handle it. I do use air conditioning, though. So. Yeah, no, well, it makes sense. Anyway, thank you very much, Mark, for joining us. A pleasure to have you as well. <laughs> thank you. And that's it for this week. We want to say thank you to our sponsors. Don't forget, if you want to enter the competition, I'll just give it one final. Uh, uh, oops, it's up there. Win Ozone 6.1, hashtag ProMastering, and the hashtag Ozone 6 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, go to it and we'll enjoy it. And um, we're thinking, um, what with all this talk of Periscope and Meerkat and these things you can stream from your phone, which then get even more. I was thinking about setting up, in fact, you probably can't see it. My phone is over there pointing at the screen. I was thinking about maybe streaming it from, uh, from the phone as well well just as an experiment see how that does how that works out but we'll see um and also of course um tomorrow is the uk general election which i'm sure everybody will be thrilled and excited about but the good news is today is the last day of political canvassing so all day tomorrow we won't have anybody saying the word i'm passionate about insert and nobody asked me a question yes or no yeah and no uh, and, and may, yeah, maybe tomorrow will be the day when people say yes or no but anyway that's very much a UK centric thing so uh, that's it I also want to leave with the rather sad news that uh, I believe that Mr Errol Brown from Hot Chocolate has uh, just passed away and I think it was only fair that I play um, one of my favourite um, Hot before Chocolate before you tracks. do that Nick Nick yes before you do before you hit go yeah can I just I found uh, I think I've discovered a great cure to for the deficit that we keep being talked told about. So the UK financial deficit. Yeah, yeah. After this election, we have a sponsored politician silence where we pay for them to say absolutely <laughs> nothing for a, about three weeks. I reckon we'd raise enough money to solve the entire world's problems. I think you could be right there, and that's a great thought. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank <laughs> you.